So I have the privilege of wrapping up our Big Five series today. Where we're going to look at the fifth question of Jesus. And I know, as you've seen, this is Family Sunday, so our kids are with us today. And I want to thank Pastor Emily for putting together a kind of a worksheet for you kids. So I want you guys to be working along with us. You have a little journaling guide there. And uh, so I also want to just celebrate what God is doing in the life of a young man that responded to Pastor Alex's challenge to use this, these big five questions of Jesus as a way to spend time with Jesus every day. You might remember that Pastor Alex offered this journal on that first week, and inside the journal is uh, this little big five guide. Well, Corey Betcher, some of you may know Corey, came up to me after that service on September the 1st. He said, I got my journal, and I want to do this. He said, I think I need some help, though, so could you help me know how to do this? I said, I'd be happy to. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Corey. I've known Corey for eight years. Corey has really struggled with drug and alcohol and anger addictions. And it's really cost him dearly. He's estranged from his partner and his daughter. He's lost several steady jobs. And this kind of road of depression has taken him to the point where just a couple of weeks ago, Corey was contemplating suicide. He just didn't see any way out of this cycle of depression and guilt. And so he just, he just wanted to be done. Not that he hadn't made commitments to change. He had many times. And he had made some progress, but inevitably... Seems like he would relapse and that crushing sense of guilt would come back on him. So when Corey said, I want to do this, I said, absolutely, Corey, let's do it together. So we scheduled a meeting. He came. And I suggested that the way we do this is just walk through these five questions of Jesus, just together, be in his presence, and let him ask these questions of us. He said, let's do it. So I explained to him that the point of all of this is that we want to be discipled by Jesus. Jesus has good plans for us to form us in his image. And so the whole idea of this is to allow him to disciple us. I explained to Corey that Jesus chose these 12 guys. For three years, he hung out with them. They watched him. They heard him teach. They ministered together. He asked lots of questions of them. When Jesus came to the end of this three years, he announced that he was leaving, but that that was a good thing. Because he would send the Holy Spirit to them. He promised that he wouldn't leave them 
as orphans. So I said, Corey, Jesus lives in us by his spirit. He's here right now in this meeting. And so the point of this is to just let him disciple us. So I said the first question, and I pulled out this guide. I said the first question is, who do you say I am? So Corey, when you think about Jesus, what comes to your mind? Who is Jesus to you? He's asking you that question right now. Why don't you write in your journal just a prayer of praise to Jesus for who he is. So Corey wrote in his journal. I did as well. We shared that and just together praise Jesus for being so awesome. The second question Jesus wants to ask us today, I said to Corey, is, do you understand what I have done for you? You see, this question is all about raising our awareness of Jesus' activity for us, in us, and through us. You see, Jesus is at work all the time. But our problem is, lots of times, we don't recognize it. We're not aware of it. And so, Corey, I want you just to think about what you see Jesus doing for you, in you, through you. What is good in your life? Because if, if it's good, it's from Jesus. So Corey thought. He wrote some things in his journal to Jesus, shared them with me, and we celebrated what God was doing in Corey's life. The next question Jesus wants to ask us, Corey, are you listening? You see, Jesus speaks to us through his spirit that lives in us, like we talked about. Jesus speaks to us through his body, other believers, but the most clear way that Jesus speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. And so, right now in this moment, we want to hear what Jesus wants to say to us through his word. So we look at the backside of that big five guide, and on that particular day, the scripture was Philippians 3.1. So we opened up our Bibles. I said, now when we look at scripture, we're going to ask three questions. One, what is the basic meaning of this? Two, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today through this? And three, how do you want me to apply this to your life. So we asked those questions. And I had Corey write in the journal from the perspective of Jesus speaking to him. So Corey, this is what I'm saying to you. So he wrote that down. He shared it with me and you know what? I was impressed. I thought, 
You know, that sounds a lot like what Jesus wants to say to Corey through his word. That's really good. And how he can apply that to his life. Fourth question is, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. You see, Corey, this is all about our response to God's love for us. We want to love him back. And we want to show that love by obeying what Jesus wants us to do. So in order for us to know what Jesus wants us to do, we have to think about that, right? And so this is the time where you just are going to ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want me to do to serve you? You see, as followers of Jesus, we want to be like Jesus who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And so we want to serve. We want to minister. We are his hands and feet. So, Corey, just think about what it looks like for you to follow Jesus today. What is Jesus saying to you about following him? He wrote some things down, shared those with me, and again, I thought, that's awesome. That sounds like Jesus. You know, I think you've gotten your marching orders for the day, Corey, from Jesus. And I could tell as we were walking through these questions of Jesus that Corey's energy was growing. Now, the fifth question is, do you believe me? Do you believe in me? This is all about our faith, our trust in Jesus. So, Corey, just write a prayer of faith. Just tell Jesus that you trust him to be at work in you and to be at work in others as you pray for them. So he did, and he read it to me, and it was beautiful. And when we finished, I said, so, Corey, what do you think? How was this? He said, it was great. You know, I always hear Pastor Alex talking about having a personal relationship with Jesus. I hear you guys talking about Jesus lives in you. But you know, I, I'm not sure I really understood what that meant. I certainly didn't know how to live it out. But you know what? I heard Jesus today. He heard me. That's what a relationship is all about. You know, I think I get it. I said, Corey, can, do you think you can let Jesus ask you these questions every day? Yeah. Yeah, I think I can. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being such a personal, loving available helper and leader in our lives. Well, I'm going to get back to Corey, but my task is to really look at this fifth question of Jesus. In talking to Pastor Emily, I know that you kids have just come out of a series where you've been thinking about trusting God as you've looked at the story of Joseph. So kids, this 
question of Jesus is right along those same lines. The question is, do you believe me? Do you believe in me? This story comes out of John chapter 11. So let's look at the story together. Story starts with Mary and Martha sending word to Jesus that their brother and his good friend Lazarus is very sick. I want you to see Jesus' response to this question. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So, right off the bat, we see that Jesus has this sense of expectation that God is going to do something pretty special in this story, right? So where does that come from? See, I believe where that comes from is that comes from his relationship with his father. I believe Jesus has spoken, or the father has spoken to Jesus and has said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to show up in a big way. I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Somehow Jesus sensed that. And you can see the expectation that Jesus has already that this is going to happen, right? You see the same thing a few verses later when he talks about his hopes for what the disciples would see and how they would respond. Let's look at that scripture together. He says, for your sake, he's talking to the disciples, I am glad I wasn't there while he was still sick so that you may believe. So again, Jesus says, I have some plans for you and what you're about to see. So they go to Mary and Martha's house. Let's pick up the story at verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What I see here is an extreme sense of confidence in Jesus. An a strong sense of identity that Jesus has. I am the resurrection and the life. And where does that come from? Well, let me ask you the question. When Jesus was baptized, what did God say in that setting? Do you remember the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and there was a voice from heaven? What did it say? Yes. Yes. You are my son. I love you. In you I am well pleased. Two weeks ago, Pastor Alex preached out of the transfiguration experience. What did God say in that setting? The same thing, right? This is my son. I love him. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
Well, Jesus heard that. He heard those affirming words that his father spoke. And more than that, Jesus spent time every day with his father. And over and over again, he heard those words, I love you. I am so grateful that you are fulfilling my plan. I trust you, Jesus, to continue to obey me. So you see, it's out of that sense of identity that Jesus can say, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus had this amazing relationship where he was totally devoted to his father and totally dependent on his father. So much so that just a few verse, a few chapters back in John chapter 5, you remember Jesus said, I can do nothing outside of this relationship. And so, out of that sense of intimacy with his father, Jesus knows who he is. And Jesus knows what God can accomplish through him. So then he asked the question to Martha. This is our big five question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe me? Do you believe in me? Do you trust in me? Martha, are you willing to trust me with this situation with your brother Lazarus? What did Martha say? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Martha gives the right answer. Yes, I believe you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. Next, the scene moves on to the tomb. Let's continue to read. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. It's interesting to me that Martha has just got done saying, Yes, Lord, I believe in you. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And now what is she thinking about? Man, he's really going to stink. I suppose that's normal. So, let's keep reading. Then Jesus said, did, not, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus is kind to Martha. He said, Martha, I just asked you, do you believe? But he's gracious. And then he lifts his eyes to heaven. And he prays this prayer. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is wanting to be blatantly clear for everyone here 
what this is about. He wants them to know that what is about to happen comes from a powerful heavenly father who has spoken to Jesus and Jesus has put his faith in his father and what is going to happen is going to glorify God. And do you understand why Jesus wants them to see what, is, what they're about to see? Why? So that they may believe you sent me. Do you see the progression here? We've talked a lot about Jesus and this relationship that he has with his father. From the beginning of the story, Jesus has talked about others getting the glory. He's talked about his disciples so that they can believe. He's talked to Martha, just asking her, Martha, do you believe? Did I not say you can trust me? And now he's saying to everybody here, I want them to see this so that they will believe in me. And then comes the dramatic moment in our story. Next verse, please, thank you. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Wow. What would it have been like to be there? What do you, what do you think happened? How do you think the people responded when Lazarus walked out of that tomb? Were there gasps? Were mouths opened in stunned silence like? Were there shrieks of joy? Now, we don't know, but what we do know is that God did an amazing miracle. And then Jesus turned to the practical matter of taking Lazarus' grave clothes off, which I always, I think that's great. I think that's a great verse. Okay, please take his clothes off of him, you know, his grave clothes. He's alive now. He's got work for them to do. And then I love verse 45. Verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Jesus' prayer is answered. Remember, he had just prayed, Lord, I pray this so that they will believe in me. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. Amazing story. But today, Jesus is here by his Spirit. And he's asking us that very same question. Do you believe in me? Do you trust me? Are you confident of what I want to do in your life? 
how I want to use you, that you are willing to be totally committed to cooperate with me in that work? You willing to put me at the very center of your life? That's the question that Jesus asks us today. So that's it. Those are the five questions. Can you see how if you would just sit at Jesus' feet and allow him to ask you these questions every day, that it would be helpful to you, valuable to you in your walk with Jesus? Let's just review them one more time and just reflect on what Jesus wants to do as we allow him to ask us these questions. Number one, Jesus will reveal himself to us. As we respond to his question, who do you say I am? As we praise him. Number two, Jesus will help us grow in him. As we respond to his question, do you understand what I have done for you as we are accountable to him? Number three, Jesus will deepen our roots in him as we allow him to ask us the question, are you listening as we listen to Jesus' words as he speaks to us through his word? Number four, Jesus will give us a great sense of fulfillment and use us in building his kingdom as we respond to his question, do you love me and feed my sheep? And number five, Jesus will fill us with his love and his power and help us to live in victory as we respond to his question, do you believe in me as we trust him? Well, I told you I wanted to get back to Corey. So since I met with Corey that first week about a month ago, what I'm seeing reminds me of the biblical story that we just talked about. What I'm seeing is that Corey looks a lot like Lazarus, who's coming from death to life. From hopelessness to hope, Jesus is transforming Corey. Now, I don't want to give you the, the wrong impression. Corey has not arrived, and if you know Corey well, He's got a lot of growing to do, okay? But here's the thing. Corey is choosing to humble himself before Jesus. Let Jesus ask him these five questions. Respond to Jesus. And I'm telling you, that is a good place for Corey to be. And can I tell you this? It's an awesome thing to have a front row seat on what Jesus is doing in somebody's life. This is so meaningful and fulfilling to me. You see, I know what God has called me to do. I know why God has placed me on this earth to be an authentic disciple of his, to make disciples of him, and to coach disciple makers of him. That's why I'm here. And so to watch Jesus work 
at Cor- in Corey's life and others. Ha. Huh. It, it doesn't get any better than that. So, what is Jesus saying to you today? What is Jesus saying to you today? Jesus might be saying to somebody, I love you. I want to invite you to have a relationship with me. I want to forgive you. I want to give you hope. I want to ask you to do what Corey has done and invite me into your life. You know, if that's you, if that's what Jesus is saying to you, I just want to say that is the most important decision you can ever make. God won't force you. You have to make that decision. That ball is in your court. But it would be a great decision. I think for a lot of us, what Jesus is saying is, I love you and I'm thankful for the relationship I have with you. And I want to use you. I want to give you that same sense of fulfillment that Dale is talking about. I want you to obey my command to make disciples. To invest in other people. To pass that faith along. And parents, I'm pretty confident that what Jesus wants to say to you is, and that starts with your family. I mean, what just happened earlier in this service, this dedication, that's a big deal. Justin and Francis, that's a big deal. There's nothing more important, parents, that you can do and help your kids learn to know Jesus, to listen to him, to respond to him. Well, back in April, we, uh, we filled out a survey on discipleship. The reason we did that was to kind of try to see where we are as a church, to establish a kind of a benchmark so that we could fulfill the mission, the vision that God has given us. Pastor Alex has already talked about this, upward, outward, and forward. And so one of the questions we ask in this survey, filled out by 272 of you, was, are you involved in an accountability group slash discipling relationship? We wanted to know how many of you are either being discipled or discipling someone else. What do you think the percentage was? How many of you, the percentage, said yes? Any guesses? What do you think? Let's look. Eleven point four percent. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. I know how you respond to that. I know for me, I am so grateful. 
that 11% of us are intentionally obeying Jesus' command to make disciples. But I'm pretty confident that God wants that number to be higher. And as the staff pastor that is most directly responsible for the discipling process in our church, ever since I saw that statistic, I've been saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And so in May, the staff met to have a planning retreat to figure out what kind of sermon series we were going to do. And I came to that meeting and said, I want us to do this series. Can we do this series, this five-question series about being discipled by Jesus? Can we give our people a path to walk down? And the staff said, yeah, let's do it. So that's what this series has been about, trying to get that number higher. Pastor Alex said this last week, but I'll say it again. If you've missed one of these sermons, you can go back to our website. And I pray that these sermons are helpful to give you that template so that you can allow Jesus to speak to you and so that you can use this template in discipling your kids or others. You've heard it said that a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, following that logic, one of the things that I sensed from the Holy Spirit is that we shouldn't just teach this, but we should show you what this looks like. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a training session where I want you to see what this looks like using these five questions of Jesus in a group setting for the purpose of making disciples. And I want to invite you to come. I'm going to do seven sessions, and we have cards, response cards, so I want everybody to grab one of those cards, and if there are not enough cards around you, I want you to raise your hand, and I've deputized some people that hopefully have extra cards, or you can just find some extra cards in a, in a seat where there's nobody. But everybody, please grab a card. And if you don't have a card, would you please raise your hand? Raise your hand if you don't have a card. Just keep it raised, and can we make sure and pass those out? Keep your hands raised, because I want, I want to make sure everybody gets a chance to look at this card so that we can go over it. And you can fill it out. Please, everybody raise your hand. There's, I see a hand in the balcony. She's getting to you. So just but keep it up. Keep your hand raised so that everybody can get one of these. Thank you very much for making that happen. So um, as you can see, there's seven opportunities. Just put your name and your email address. And it says choose one of these identical sessions. They're the same thing. I'm just offering them seven times to give you as much access to this as possible. Um, there's dinner two of the nights. There's breakfast on the Saturday morning. There's childcare on the Wednesday night. So please take note of that and just choose the one that's best for you, okay? I would really like 
to get an accurate number of who's going to come to these training sessions. So as soon as you fill that out, if you will pass that to the end of the row, and ushers, if you can come back through another time and collect these, that would be great. Okay, so please fill those out, and uh, then we can, we can know. I'm really looking forward to getting to spend that time with you. Now, just let me point you to a couple of other resources. Um, at the beginning of the series, we passed out this journal, and those are all gone. Sorry, you missed out. But inside those journals were this big five guide. On one side has the five questions of Jesus. The other side has some uh, suggested scriptures. And these are available on the altar right here. There's a couple stacks there and at the Welcome Center in the back. And there's also this big five instruction sheet, which is a more detailed instruction sheet of how to sit at Jesus' feet and let him ask you these questions. If you haven't picked up one of these so far in this series, please pick it up today. I really want to challenge you. I just think, I mean, you, ha you may have a better way, but for me, this is the best template that I've ever come across to allow Jesus to disciple us. So I would really encourage you to do that. And then one other thing, uh, there's this book, Discipled by Jesus by Hal Perkins. Hal Perkins is the, is the guy that discipled me. I was on his staff for five years, a long, long time ago. And so if you really want to dig in, uh, this series is kind of based off of this book. And I will loan my copy to somebody who promises to return it. Who would like my copy? Okay, Phyllis, here you go. I promise. Would you take that back to Phyllis, Clarice? Thank you. All right, let's stand, and let's close in prayer. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of this series. I will really look forward to getting to be with a lot of you in the next few days as we demonstrate this, and let's trust the Lord together. Let's pray. Jesus, Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being so loving, so faithful, so available to us. Thank you for your obvious, clear presence here today. Thank you for what you're saying. Lord, I pray that each one of us will obey you will want to fulfill your purposes in our lives so that we can be the people you created us to be. Help us, Jesus. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said,